here we are on another episode with Naomi Tolson. Naomi Tolson was my microdose coach and she definitely changed my life. So yeah. I wanted to have a conversation with you. And besides that you are a microdosing coach, you do a lot of un other stuff. And I hope to dive into that and explore everything we already talked about, but more in depth than we ever did. Could you introduce yourself a little bit, Naomi? Yes, yeah, sure. Thanks, Yorick. So, yeah, I'm Naomi Tolson. I live in Brighton in the UK, and I have been training with the Microdosing Institute to become a microdosing coach. And that's come about because of my own microdosing experiences, particularly a very profound one that I did through the Institute, and that set that wheel in motion. But I also am a birth and postnatal doula, which for those people who don't know, is a person who supports women during their pregnancy, their birth and into the postnatal period in a physical, emotional and spiritual way. So not a medical way. Although my background is I trained as a nurse and I did train as a midwife but felt unable to work in the NHS. And so that was a catalyst really for me coming away from the mainstream, I guess, and became very interested in alternative health. And I think that ties in really well. It was no wonder that I was going to microdose at some point, I think. So yeah, so I do that. And I also do placenta encapsulation. I don't know if you knew that actually, Yorick, but you know, I take people's placentas and I and I turn them into capsules and tinctures, essence, homeopathic remedies. I make art from placenta and I absolutely love that part of my work. And I also do I do this body work with mainly I do only do it with women, but not just in pregnancy or postpartum at sort of any life stage a ceremony and massage called Closing the Bones, which comes from Ecuador and is a really beautiful ritual around closing circles, especially around rites of passage. So sometimes girls starting their periods or women having given birth or the menopause or going through divorce or going through grief, it's kind of a ceremony that can support people through that process. So those are the kind of main things that I do in my day-to-day -day life. Interesting. Such an alternative journey yes. that you deviated from the the the, the, the standard way of, of, of treating people, healing people. Yeah. You said microdosing coach, a doula, and the placenta part I definitely didn't know about. So it's very interesting yeah. to hear about that. But before you reach such a point that you want to help people with microdosing with being a doula is there like a, a verb for it can you no not a verb but how do you call it when you practice being a doula like coaching I love why you would say doula ring i yeah. guess <laughs> yeah, yeah. really okay. <laughs> okay and your work with the placenta before you get to that i'm sure you have to explore certain ways into yourself before mm -hmm. you get to that point how does one get to all those alternative ways of healing and expressing yourself 
Well, it's been a really interesting and long journey for me personally, because I feel, you know, I went into nursing when I was 18, 19, and I was somewhat, I would say, mainstream. I kind of had a lot of faith, obviously, in mainstream medicine, and I was very much, you know, played into that sort of patriarchal system. You know, the doctors were gods, and I just I just sort of was swept along with that. But actually, it was the start of me seeing that the 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 role wasn't how I imagined. And I felt really disappointed to see that so much of it was red tape and politics and very little of it was actually about caring for people. And I'm not, you know, I don't want to be sort of disrespectful to people who work in those professions, because I think it's a really, really tough job. And there are lots of great nurses and midwives out there. But it's a very, very difficult system to work in and be authentic and do the job that you were, you know, that most of us go into it really wanting to do. And so, I mean, and we're talking about this was, you know, over 24 years ago now. So, you know, that was kind of the start when I, uh, so I went on to train as a midwife and then I left and I felt really disheartened, but I, I kind of felt that there was something else for me to do and that I wasn't really sure what that was. And so I traveled for a bit. And when I came back, I decided to work as a nanny, like a private nanny in the family. And I actually was meant to be just a stopgap whilst I decided what I really wanted to do with my life. But I absolutely loved it. And I really felt like I could make a difference to people's lives. And I loved building the relationships with the families. But there there was there was also a sense in me that this wasn't really what I was supposed to be doing. And actually, even though I loved the children, etc., I was always more pulled towards supporting the mother. You know, I just I felt that I and I, when I look back now, I see that that was the doula in me. You know, I was wanting to to really support the family as a whole. And then I had my own children. So I had Harry, who is now 12. And I think the birth of Harry was the birth of the new me, because his birth really opened my eyes. And, you know, Harry was born early in a very medicalized way, which was the opposite of what I was planning. But he came at 32 weeks. So, you know, most babies are born around 40 to 42 weeks. And he was in hospital for quite a long time. And I started to see and see research and see like how the system was not really supporting me or Harry in in terms of our health. And I think that was, you know, part of me started then going down a more alternative route to look for answers. He, you know, Harry had asthma, he had eczema, he had really bad reflux. It was really a challenging time but I kind of I started to go down the route of sort of homeopathy and sort of cranial osteopathy and and just you know just started to investigate those things and they really worked and where I felt the mainstream wasn't sort of giving me any answers or supporting me I felt I found that in, in a different modality in the different modalities which are considered alternative 
But it's funny, actually, because I know that when I was growing up, my mum was someone who was very in tune with alternative things. And I was very sceptical. I had really bad glandular fever when I was about 14. And I had a lot of complications with it. And I remember my mum giving me homeopathy. And she she brought this woman to the house who was a crystal healer. And this woman like was putting all these crystals all over me. And I was so mortified. I was like, oh, my God, like, you're so embarrassing, mum. Why are you doing this to me? <laughs> and it and like totally did not believe in any of it, but made this miraculous recovery. You know, like the doctors were saying to my mum that I was not going to be at school for six months. And, you know, I had also I had a, a type of hepatitis and all these liver problems. And I think I was back to school within five weeks. You know, it was pretty miraculous. But even then, you know, I think that probably sowed a seed in me. But yeah, I didn't kind of recognize that. It was only when I was a mother myself looking back that I was like, oh, yeah, like my mum knew best. <laughs> no surprises there. And then it's just been, you know, I've got three three children now, but it's just been such a journey, you know, into, I guess, going back to more old fashioned ways of looking at health and, you know, really looking at, I think you have to take responsibility. You know, one of the main things I've learned is you have to take responsibility for your own health. And you can't really, if you hand that over to the mainstream, you're not really going to get very far. And yes, of course, it's great that when we, you know, break a leg or, you know, there's something very serious that we have the option of, you know, accident and emergency and really great doctors, etc. But I think, you know, generally, we don't have to wait until those things happen. We can do things now and really look after ourselves. And I'm always being attracted to the more extreme of things. So I think it was own it was natural that I was gonna fall down some rabbit holes and and sort of go down these paths of looking at things that partic- that weren't particularly you know, in the mainstream narrative, which, you know, microdosing for sure is coming more into the mainstream, which is good because we want more people to know about it and understand how it works, etc., and help the people that really need it. But I think initially the attraction was and is that it is slightly on the fringe. So for me, it, it, I'm pulled to that. I can imagine. And you're definitely contributing to making it more accessible in a healthy way, I guess. And what else yeah, I find interesting? In what you're, oh, yeah, you definitely do. And at least for me, you did. So I'm sure you do that to other people as well. And what I also find interesting in your story is that for making such an such an change in your life, you have to experience things. I mean, somebody could have told you like your mother did, but you were skeptical and then something with your own body happened and then something with your son happened and that was necessary to make a change in your life. It almost happened. It almost happened and just made a slight change in yourself. And that's what I always find interesting in, in when people grow or when people come to their selves a bit more is that there is always some experience that happened before that change. And I was wondering how you, how you look at that 
that you are you were open to the experience that is also a very big aspect of that change right definitely and i don't think you know i think it's been such a journey and i don't even think necessarily it started you know at a certain point necessarily the whole when i just look at you know when you look at your whole life like that and you just see the synchronicities and the, you know i'm somebody who doesn't believe in coincidences or you know things happening by accident i i really believe that you know there are sort of opportunity you know that you're set there's a there's an aligned path for people and there are often opportunities along the way and some of us get to a point where we can recognize that and we feel aligned in our life and what we're doing and some and it takes some people you know they quickly get that and some take longer like me I feel like it's taken me a long time to get to a point I wish I'd been at 20 years ago I mean some people never get it and, and it's everybody's unique journey but yeah, I think there's, for me, when I look back, I just, it's so interesting to, to look at all these things that happened and how they led me to here, you know, it's, yeah. it's, yeah. it's kind of magical. Yeah. And yeah. what, what made you become aware of those dots that you uh, were passing by along the way? Mm. I think it's become much clearer to me in the last year. And I think definitely the coaching diploma with the Microdosing Institute has played a huge part in that. But also, you know, I've sort of also carried on my learning alongside what I'm learning at the Institute. I've kind of gone down other avenues as well. And and I think journaling in particular has been a huge part of recognizing my journey so far and perhaps where my journey will lead and I've done various journaling sessions and trainings I try and attend this regular journaling session with this guy who lives in Brighton and he actually did a few things where we had to kind of and with the microdosing institute I did this as well where you kind of it's called the lifeline exercise and you look at your whole life from the moment you're born until present day and you and you kind of plot your emotions and things that have happened to you on this kind of graph and it's super interesting because looking at something like that as a whole it makes you realize this yeah like I was saying the synchronicities of it all and things that you'd forgotten and it really sort of took me down a a memory lane and it was quite life-changing to see it all laid out in front of me like that so I started sort of connecting the dots more when I started doing work like that which is you know still I only started that a year ago so very much still in this journey of discovering who I am and how this all fits together but I don't think you know in some ways I think if I had done this course 20 years ago I don't think I would have got it as much. You know, I think as well, I have to also accept that the timing is divine. You know, this is the time that I'm supposed to be doing this work. It wouldn't have been the same if I'd done it any earlier. But I just feel like it's been such a positive thing for me. I I kind of wish that I had discovered it earlier and that everyone could, you know, do this work because it really helps you know, and especially now, because I think a lot of people 
are suffering with their mental health. And I think all these things really can support support you in the process of processing all the things that have happened and are happening. And for me, it's just been absolutely mind-blowing the things that have come up and you know then you're looking looking at these things whilst microdosing is just supercharging the experience you know even without microdosing the insights and learnings from from these things have been huge but I just think microdosing can take it to a whole other level where you're just you know you create so much more awareness in your consciousness about what's happening it just is it would take you probably five ten times longer to come to some of these realizations without the the help of of microdosing I mean that's been my experience and the experience of the people that I've coached and that I hear in the group etc it seems to be you know a very common experience what I have experienced with the microdosing in particular. Well, I can definitely relate to that. It gives like a, a broader spectrum, if I, I describe that correctly, a broader spectrum inside and outwards, it's, or maybe more connected from the, from the inside to the outside. When you talk about that journaling, which you do with other person, do you, it, do you do that on a regular? Yeah, so um, he was holding them every week, sort of. It was just an hour, like on a Monday night, and now he does it every other week. But I, you know, I've done a few, and I kind of like that I, you know, have to turn up, but it's a regular slot because it can't, you know, I'm mum to three young boys, I work full time, I home educate my children, I'm a busy woman and it's very easy for my days just to, you know, fly by and I haven't, you know, haven't done the things that I know really help me. So I, for me, having those blocks of time where, you know, I've booked in to do something that works well in my life. So I really try and and do that regularly. And there's, you know, there's a few people who do journaling sessions. And I'm actually going to start doing a workshop myself in September, I think I'm doing it, where I'm going to take people through journaling whilst microdosing, because I found it so unbelievably helpful. In my own journey, I want to share how to do that for other people because often you know a lot of people have heard about journaling but I know that a lot of the questions I get are you know then people are not quite sure what it is you know they think it's perhaps like writing a diary every day or yeah so it's kind of and it absolutely could be that but you know there are that doesn't suit everybody and so I yeah I just and I kind of I think I had that perception of it also so yeah I'm kind of really keen to spread the word on how different it can look for people and how helpful it can be well we will definitely talk about the workshop later on people should find you on instagram and stuff so don't worry about that people yeah i believe journaling is is because it became a bit mainstream also the the term journaling I, i believe it became a bit underrated as well like i'm just writing down what i did that day but i believe that if you do it consistently it can it can give you such a broader insight in how you feel in how you behave 
what is and what I also like about journaling is that sometimes you start to write on something and you end up completely in a in a different thought or feeling or that you didn't even could touch well you understand what I'm saying that is what I yeah I don't totally yeah I like I will start writing something and then all this stuff starts coming out so I'm like where has this come from you know like <laughs> I didn't even know this was in my consciousness but it's just it's just all coming out yeah and 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 like you say if you do it regularly it's kind of that doesn't often happen when you first start because we feel a bit sort of if it's new to us we feel a bit self-conscious and I know actually for me I was always a bit scared that someone might read it and so I had to like work through some of that stuff in order to really surrender to that experience and really allow myself to express myself authentically but once once that started to happen yeah just all this all this stuff and it, and it's not even just that it's being able to document as well your journey because i it's so easy to forget where where you started or even like week to week you know what happened last week i i i can't even really remember what i did yesterday but when i when i have this written record of you know me a year ago and then i'm reading you know go back and i read it and i just yeah just it it makes me see how far i've come and how things have manifested in my life and it's just yeah wonderful to have to have a record of it and be able to to see the progression yeah it's you know i think that's important yeah yeah and even things like dreams dreams can be really interesting you know especially for that you know i've got I'm I'm starting to starting to get quite interested in dreaming and lucid dreaming etc and I find it really fascinating to to document dreams and especially you know within microdosing cycles how dreams differ and sort of patterns of dreaming the same if you have the same dream and how it how that looks and how often that can be really interesting to document Do you experience different type of dreams when you are on a microdose Yes, definitely. Definitely much more vivid and realistic. And I've never really had a bad sort of a a nightmare whilst microdosing, actually. But just very realistic dreams. I think, yeah, playing out scenarios. And And is that when you microdose at night or also when you're microdosing in the the morning, like, for, for example? I actually don't microdose at night only because I find that microdosing gives me so much energy. Mm. And so it keeps me, I I have once done it in the evening just to try it. And I was just awake all night. So I haven't done that again. So yeah, I only ever microdose in the morning. But yeah, the sort of the more, the most vivid dreams would be the evening of the day of, of microdosing. I find and then it's kind of sort of fades a bit and then if when I microdose again I'll have a really vivid dream sort of real technicolor you know the colors are very that's the standout thing the colors are very vivid and yeah everything's in technicolor wow good to know good to know I I never looked at that part of the day when I experienced when I took when I was on a microdose but I will I think it's Tomorrow I will do another one. So we'll see what what happens at yeah. night. 
yeah, yeah. Take, take, it's just also bringing awareness to that, to that, because if you're not, if you're not aware, then you won't pick up anything, particularly from your dreams, because you're not sending your energy there. But once you do, it might be interesting to see what comes up. Yeah, it does. It does. I love this is what I love about yeah microdosing the kind of because it's you know there's no hard and fast rules and it's so much fun to experiment and you know really play with the protocols and the different aspects of your life in relation to microdosing and you know really dive deep into these things that there isn't a lot of information about I find I find that really exciting I love I love that part about it I, yeah, I can imagine. That's what I also experienced after I did my first ayahuasca ceremony, that I approached mm. microdosing differently, more, less rigid. I mean, the protocol, mm. is, of course, is good to to see what it does consistently, but I think it can also be good to experiment with the microdose. When we look at everything you do, microdosing, mm. being a doula, I'm not quite sure what what exactly you did with the placenta could you elaborate more on that yes absolutely so essentially what I do is after people give birth you know they birth the placenta which is the organ they grow in order to nourish and keep the baby alive so once the placenta is born they put it it kind of has to be arranged obviously prior to the birth but I I give them a kit which is like ice packs and a special bag they have to you know have to in the UK placentas are considered food so I have to follow all the health and safety in relation to being a food business so that part of my business is a food business so it has to be you know within a certain degree after the birth and I have to take the temperatures and fill out all this paperwork it's a bit of a bore but you know it's it's about that it's going to be safe to consume and so the most popular way to consume your placenta is with capsules and the process of that is taking the placenta cleaning it taking the membranes off and slicing it and then dehydrating it for many hours. Normally, I, it, you know, placentas can come in all different sizes, but generally around 14 hours in a dehydrator. And then after that time, it's very, it's like cracker dry. And then I grind it in like a blender and it turns into a fine powder. And then I put it into capsules. And so the thinking, you know, why would people want to do that? You might be thinking, <laughs> but there's, and there isn't that much research on into it because there's no real money there for people to, you know, be motivated to do that. But the thinking behind it, and there is a couple of studies that show it can really help with mood regulation after having a baby. So keeping your, you know, it can help regulate hormones. Some people think it can help with your milk production, makes your hair nice and shiny, your skin glowing, you know, it can just really give you a boost, you know, when you're feeling depleted after you've had a baby. I personally think that quite a lot of the nutrients from the placenta are lost within the process of dehydration. For me, I think if you really want to consume your placenta for the benefits, that you should have it raw after birth. And 
lots of people do that. Essentially, what happens is I take the placenta, I clean it in the same way, and I take a chunk of chunk of it, sort of like a 50p piece. I don't know the equivalent of euros, sorry. <laughs> but, you know, I guess sort of a thumb-sized you know, of the placenta and put it in with some like fruit and plant milk and whiz it all up and people drink it. So it's not like you you liquidize an entire placenta and down it. I don't think many people would be able to stomach that, <laughs> but it's kind of hidden within a smoothie. But, you know, placentas contain stem cells. They contain your natural levels of oxytocin, which is, you know, the hormone of love and feeling good. And all those things are are, you know, in there because you haven't interfered with the process when you're having it raw. So me, and then what I, for those people, they'll have that smoothie, you know, preferably within half an hour of, of birthing the placenta. And then I would chop the rest of the placenta up and put them in bags and then you can put them in the freezer. And then when you're making a smoothie, you can just pop one in to your smoothie, blend it and drink it. So there's that. And there's also, I make it into a tincture. So you can just put it under your tongue in an alcohol solution. And then it lasts a very long time. Some people can give it to their children. It's a really lovely remedy to support you through hard times. It can help children with separation anxiety, first day at school, you know, those kinds of situations. It can be a helpful, emotional and spiritual support during those times. But also I make this art as well where I print the placenta onto a canvas because, you know, we we call the placenta the tree of life because when you look at a placenta, it's like it's got, you know, branches of a tree, which are the veins and, you know, arteries, etc. But it is beautiful. It is like the tree of life. And so when you print that onto canvas, you wouldn't necessarily know what you're looking at if you didn't, if you weren't in that world. And sometimes I do it with different inks, you know, have like different colored ones, etc. I really enjoy doing that. So yeah, I kind of I I do that for my clients. Most of my clients have placenta remedies, but also do it for other people who are not my clients and they just book me in to to collect their placenta. Interesting. That's such a world I yeah. didn't know anything of. So first question that popped into my mind is how does it taste? I have actually, I, do you know what? I, I didn't do anything with my own placentas, which is interesting because I, I kind of wasn't in, I don't know. I, I don't know why I didn't actually. It's interesting and perhaps something I need to really look at because some interesting, interesting things might come up for me, but it, I have tasted other people's. I've, I had a client who wanted me to share the smoothie and I was really honored to do so. I don't, I'm not squeamish at all. And it didn't taste of anything. It just tasted of the fruit. Mm. I haven't eaten, you know, like a raw piece. Mm -hmm. I, I think it, I wouldn't, I would, you know, if I had another baby, which I'm absolutely not, I would do it. <laughs> You know, I would do it now just to see what it tastes like. But I imagine it would taste, I mean, it, it feels a little bit like liver. Oh, well, that's, you know? I would yeah, I, I would, yeah, I I imagine, I don't know, I might be wrong, but it kind of has a liver essence to me, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's what I thought so when I thought about it. 
But yeah, I, I think I can imagine that it would be a very intimate thing to consume, whether it's the the client itself or you joining them. I've only had that once, and I was I was secretly thrilled that they asked me because <laughs> otherwise I, I kind of you know like, I'm not going to get the opportunity to try that. So yeah, I was fully on board. Wow. But people are quite shocked. People are quite shocked when I tell them that. But to me, it just felt like an honor. Yeah, it it it, it feels a bit primal in a good way. Yeah, M- maybe, but that maybe that's just just me because no, it was... it, yeah. It absolutely is. And I think when you, you know, with this client, you know, she births, you know, I mainly, I should say now, support women who birth outside of the system. So they don't birth, they birth at home and they most of the time don't birth with midwives present. So it's what we would class as free birth. And I think when you, you know, it's such an amazing experience to walk that journey with someone and also be witness to that, you know, when you see a woman birth and stepping into her power and taking responsibility for her experience, there is nothing like it. It's such, like you say, it's a primal thing and it's, it's life-changing for everyone who witnesses it. And it all, so it kind of doesn't feel that weird that you would then partake in in the smoothie because it's just you've been through this amazing experience where you're just bonded forever and and so when you look at it in context, I think it it doesn't seem that strange after all. Oh, I can definitely imagine. I'm also interested in if it is allowed in the Netherlands, if people would do that. But what I when we zoom out a little bit again, when you, you're a microdosing coach, you are facilitating the placenta consumption, if I may put it that way, yep. and you are being a doula. What I experienced in your coaching is that you look at people in front of you and you take them by the hand, but in a very healthy distance. So you stand next to that person and you look at the person to you look at him at him in in my case at me to discover what i needed at that moment to what stand what stood in my way to make me move forward in a more fluent way that's how i experienced it how do you do that, that, I, that that's just no, I guess that that I'm so glad you felt that way. And it's absolutely this, you know, doulering somebody through their pregnancy and birth is absolutely to me feels the same as coaching someone through a microdosing cycle. You know, I think one of my biggest lessons throughout my doula journey has been that it's not my job to save people. And I definitely came from a place of wanting to save people. And, you know, partly I think that was, you know, wanting to be the hero and also partly wanting to fix myself. And the sort of, there's lots of things that play into that, people pleasing, et cetera, et cetera. And so I feel, you know, it. I came to realize that actually when you try and do that, you disempower people. And you take away their experience, which, 
you know that doesn't that doesn't help anybody at the end of the day and everybody is unique everybody is different there is not one solution for everyone and so for me coaching or doodling it's about just being well creating a safe space for people knowing that they are able to explore difficult parts of themselves or any part of themselves in a you know in a space where they know I'm not going to judge them or you know try and control the situation or save them from it and just to really give people confidence in their own abilities to walk their own journeys because actually that it's just so much more wonderful to see people do that for everyone involved for the for the person themselves for me to witness it that's where the real power lies in my opinion you know we we live in a society where you know we're kind of treated a bit like infants sort of the nanny state telling us what to do and and also this whole paradigm of needing external validation all the time of being told you know what to do what is happening inside our own bodies well you know in my experience and in my opinion, I feel no one is more an expert on on what I'm going through or what's happening to me than me and the, the true of the person that I'm supporting. And so, you know, to see people do that, take responsibility for themselves and listen to their intuition, listen to what their body's telling them, and then having the confidence to lit to go through with that, to listen and go through with that, regardless of what is happening externally, because I hope that I have created that space in which people can do that. That's all I could, you know, that's my aim. That's how I hope to work. That's, you know, and, and I'm definitely not perfect at it, but that's the direction I want to go in and continue to go in. Well, I think you're doing a great job. And what I like about what you were just saying is taking responsibility into your own health. I was walking down the street here in my neighborhood the other day, and there was a sign literally in front of the pavement like that said, watch your step. And I was, I was laughing at it, but it's, but it's not funny. Not even trusting the people to put one foot in, the, in front of the other in the right way. Like, fall. Who cares? Get you won't hurt. do it again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you'll do it exactly, once, and yeah. then you won't do it again. You'll heal up. You'll manage, but that's that's of course a really small, funny example. But trusting your own body that you can give birth at home, of course, with a professional like you next to them, but not needing the hospital or the system around the hospital is is not something that is taught. They I think they make people scared, women scared to say, you should do it in a hospital, otherwise your baby would not make it. How can you convince women in this case, or, or men supporting their women, that it is really natural to birth at home? Well, first of all, I definitely don't convince anybody. It generally... You know, some of some of my clients don't I don't even go to the birth because they don't need me there. They often want me there because it they want, you know, they want this illusion of safety, I guess, and comfort. But you know, I'm not a medical 
I'm not a health professional and I'm not going to be able to medically do anything for them. But it is actually about, for a lot of families, it's learning that actually birth is not a medical event. It's a physiological one. And it's just about trusting, learning to trust your intuition, learning about the process, how it works, how the system is designed not to support physiology and just creating space and, you know, holding them emotionally whilst they go through that process. And, and you know, a lot of it is about taking responsibility for themselves and their own decisions because there are risks, but there are risks in everything we do. There is no risk-free options. There's no risk-free options in life. There's no risk-free options in birth. It's, it's the same. And risk means different things to different people. And so it's really about supporting families to really dig into that and see what those things mean to them and supporting them regardless of the decisions they make. Yeah. Yeah. And, and to the fact that you are talking about it, that you're facilitating it, makes that people can even consider it as an option. Because I, I think a lot of people do not even know that it's a possibility to do it the way you facilitate it, right? Absolutely. I mean, so many people don't realize that, that and you know, care in the NHS is optional. It's a service. It's definitely not mandatory. And also, I just want to say about, you know, I think that actually, if if families really, you know, I, th- I think there is an agenda that governments, I guess, want the system, the patriarchy, want women birthing in hospitals and relying on medicine. Because actually, you know, if you want to change the world, you have to start with birth. And if women were birthing and having ecstatic births and powerful birth experiences, the ripple effects of that would be so huge. I think that they would start to question other narratives. So I really believe that, you know, I really feel that it is such a powerful transformation for those who are, you you know, who who go through that rite of passage in the way that we're designed to, you know, their lives are never the same again. And I think it it does change their thinking around many other things as well. You know, I think it's not a coincidence that a lot of of women who free birth also consider, you know, home educating and more alternative types of medicine. And because they, they kind of, they become aware that perhaps there is more, there are other ways of being healthy than the one that we're told in the media and by governments, etc. I think it's a really interesting topic. Yeah, I think so too. And it's funny because mother recently started doing a course or studying, I'm not sure what it was, but where she needed to dive into the way people gave birth. And she... I tried to recollect how my birth went and of course her part of it <laughs> and she tried to connect the way I gave birth the way I came to life with how I'm behaving 
right now, how I'm feeling, how my character is. And she she definitely saw some similarities because I came I came out in a very strange way. I was I was a bit how do you say that? But my, my neck was a bit I don't know how to say it, but like this. <laughs> and I came out very stressful and she lost a lot of blood also and she learned that that could definitely change the trajectory the trajectory of your life. And so, yeah, that's, it's, it's not a coincidence that we're talking about it today. That's um, crazy. Yeah, yeah, it is. Okay, that's how you facilitate being a doula. When you look at microdosing, I see a lot of overlap, of course, with everything you do, where it's not, not separate practices. But when it comes to microdosing, what are the benefits of microdosing? Okay, so personally... I shall, I shall, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about maybe my pers- the, the benefits I've seen for me personally. Is that okay? Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. Well, for me, you know, I started microdosing in 2020 after watching Fantastic Fungi and medical, I think it was called Medical Mushrooms about the studies going on at Imperial College London using psilocybin for treatment resistant depression. And at the time, I was going through a lot of anxiety, which puzzled me a bit. I wasn't really sure where where the anxiety was coming from. And so I decided to try microdosing after hearing all these amazing things. Not so much actually about microdosing, but more about larger doses, macrodoses of psilocybin. But, you know, then I heard about microdosing. And and actually, for me, you know, I spent a couple of years really not knowing what I was doing. I, in looking back, I can see I was taking far too high a dose. I was actually taking mini doses. My anxiety at times got worse. I was all over the place, but I just, I kind of had this feeling to keep going with it that I, that I, you know, I just needed to figure out a way how this could work for me. And so when I, I actually went and in 2022, I went and lived in Costa Rica for a few months with my family. And it was there that I really learned about plant medicine and earth medicines and everybody there was microdosing and when I came back I signed up to do the six-week coach program with the microdosing institute and it totally changed my life I just I had it was not the most pleasant experience I I had hugely profound insights and realizations and I kind of spiraled into more anxiety before I came out the other side but I really for me now it manages my anxiety really well because I really understand how to use it in a way that supports my nervous system and I also find that it really which I didn't expect but really boosted my creativity and my motivation and my focus generally, you know, I, 
especially when dealing with my anxiety, I, I kind of knew that I needed to be exercising more and to be incorporating, a, you know, a daily routine of meditation and breath work, really a lot of it about regulating myself. And when I wasn't microdosing, I found it really hard to get the motivation to do it. But with the microdosing, it just gives me the energy and the will to want to do those things for myself. I look after myself better when I microdose. And, you know, I'm a better mum when I microdose. I feel I have way more patience. Um, I'm calmer. I'm, I'm more aware of my kids, of what my kids need and want. I'm, I play with them more. It's, there are so many effects and all of them are fairly subtle. But I've noticed that as, as I've been microdosing in a way that is right for me, you know, those subtle effects become very noticeable over a period of time. And so I think generally for people who are looking to microdose, you know, you can't, it's, it doesn't work like the medicine we're prescribed, you know, pharmaceutical medication. You know, we're not, there's not a list necessarily of effects that you will feel. It's such a personal thing. And it's not for everybody. It's not for everybody. And it's not for everybody at every stage of their life. You know, I think you you need to feel called to it somewhat and be curious about it and be open. But, you know, we know that microdosing can often amplify emotions. It can bring stuff to the surface. And so for some people that that can be overwhelming and perhaps the downsides outweigh the benefits for them at that time. But I think generally in in what I've heard from my clients and from the stories that I hear, it definitely seems the creativity and the focus and the gentle support of, of mood seems to be a common theme. Well, that is beautiful that you experienced that and that it helped you in such a way. Right? What is the underlying process in that in all those benefits. Do you think, do you have an idea of that? Do you no. mean in a, yeah. No, maybe not in a scientific way, or maybe it can be spiritual or anything else. What is the catalyst of being a better mom, having more energy? What is, what's yeah root cause might not be yeah. for, but. I think, you know, I think it, is this beautiful blend of the sacred and the science. So I think, you know, the science of how microdosing affects your brain, how it creates this neuroplasticity, how it enables different parts of your brain to, to communicate with each other. And, and for me, I, I see this as it, is it manifests in having more awareness And for me, that's the key, I think, just especially with parenting, it just, it it keeps me in the present moment. And I think so much of, you know, the stress of parenting is often, you know, like, there's so much to organize, you know, I'm constantly thinking of, you know, future plans and, and worrying about past events. And it's very easy then to kind of be cut off from the present moment and and cut off from really connecting with your children in the present moment and I think what the microdosing does it just gives you that space and awareness to recognize 
that all that really matters is the moment that you're in now and to really yeah it just makes me look at my children in a different way and be more present and I think that for me I don't know if that's a good explanation but I know that you know and I I haven't yet said but you know I have a special interest in supporting families who microdose particularly mothers and I know that that's the number one reason that women report back is that they feel more connected to their children they have more patience they enjoy it more they kind of they 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 have more joy in their parenting rather than just losing themselves in worry and anxiety and rushing through the day without giving it much thought for sure that that is something most people i would say who are mothers and fathers reports that that is one of the huge benefits of microdosing. Oh, I, I love how all of those benefits come from a place of just being present. And I also believe that microdosing can definitely enhance that. And that that means that everything is already there. We just, and this is what this podcast is about, is removing that in a way of just following the way you actually are and i can definitely confirm that microdose does that to me and you help with that in improving that process and what i learned most of you is the integration part because consuming is very easy it's, it's kind of it's kind of easy you just have to buy it you have to wait and then you just try it and experiencing will somehow go automatically because it has its effects. Of course, you have to be aware of those effects, but the integration part is where what I learned the most of you is where the magic happens and where you can sustain that effect, the impact of what you consume. And is there something you could give the listener in how they can integrate microdosing more because it's not only a microdosing i apply it to microdosing but you, you can apply it to journaling or taking my supplements i take that differently now so i think the listener can have a great benefit of you helping them with integrating what they are consuming Give a little insight on that yeah, I think the you are breaking up quite a lot for me. It says on my screen that the network is struggling. No, did you hear? I what wonder I whether I I sort of, but not totally. It doesn't say if it's on. I may just go and open my door because it might be that I need the. Okay, let's see if that helps. So I think you were, from what I could hear, you were saying, how can people integrate? microdosing and microdosing into their into their lives is that what you're asking yeah well I mean you know it's difficult because also I know where you are in Amsterdam microdosing truffles is legal and you can go to a shop and you can buy you know truffles in the shop but obviously in a lot of places including in the UK it is still illegal to consume psilocybin in any form and so we you know that that adds a layer of complexity I don't think it is always going to be that way I do feel that it will 
at some point in the next hopefully few years you know there's so much science coming out about the benefits of psilocybin in particular and MDMA that I feel that they're gonna be forced to kind of reconsider and legalize it or de- at least decriminalize. So it's difficult for some people to, inc- to integrate microdosing into their lives because they're having to put themselves at risk of, of doing something that is illegal. But that aside, I think you have to, to integrate it into your life. You have to make a commitment that you want to, I think, a lot of people just take their microdose and get about go about their day. And I think although there can still be some benefits, it is slightly a wasted opportunity. You know, it can be difficult for some people who live in places where it's not legal. I know that in Amsterdam, you can go and buy truffles to microdose in a shop. But, you know, here in the UK there is no legal way to microdose psilocybin. And so it can be really hard for people to bring that into their life. But, you know, people do. And I think, you know, you you need to make the commitment to, you know, it isn't the same as just taking a pharmaceutical and then going about your day. It, it does require committing to the process and committing to making some time in your life to integrate the experience itself. And so the thing that I really have learned so much on the coaching diploma with the Institute is, you know, it's really important to prioritize yourself when you're when you're going through a cycle. And for those who don't know, you know, when you microdose, you don't microdose indefinitely, you normally microdose within a within a set period of time and that can be anything from four weeks to 10 weeks and I know people who've done less than that and more than that but generally you know people commit to that period of time before taking a break and I think what I learned was you know setting an intention for your cycle you know what how you want to feel at the end of the cycle what kind of person would you like to be and then committing to taking the time to give yourself space to fully realize that intention. So I give an example for me, which was quite a common intention was to feel more connected to nature. And actually, when I really worked on that intention and sort of went below the surface of it, what I discovered was, is that really, I wanted to be more present in the moment. And so for me, I committed to every day for 10 minutes just to meditate and be, you know, sort of be more in my body just for 10 minutes and to kind of really check in with myself. And actually, you know, that that was just committing to 10 minutes a day. And actually what grew from that was now I have quite a long morning ritual where I also do yoga or I swim in the ocean because I live by the sea and I yeah do yoga breath work meditate etc and and at the end of that experience I not only felt more connected to nature but I felt more connected to myself and those around me and to fully integrate that learning into my life and that experience I committed to keep doing it. And so I think it's that's such a different way of taking a medicine 
it's so the opposite of what we're used to generally in the, in in conventional medicine. It doesn't work that way. A lot of conventional medicine is about masking symptoms, and this is about bringing stuff. It's about going to the root cause of stuff, and it's also about bringing stuff up and processing it and working through it. And you have to commit time to that. You know, if you're going to commit to microdosing and you want the full experience and you want to integrate what you learn into your everyday life, that's what you have to do at the end of the day. Did you find that was true for you on on your cycle, Yorick? Yeah, definitely. What really helped me and to summarize what you just said, because I lost you for a second again, which was on my internet connection. What I find really helpful in what you taught me and what I see in your story as well is that you not only consume it, but you, before you take it, you look where you're standing right now, how you're feeling right now, and how you want to feel after you took the microdose, but also after you finished the the period of time you choose to microdose and standing still and being aware of how you feel at the moment and how you want to feel is something that extremely I think is extremely valuable in that process. And I think it doesn't sound like that much. So people feel like, oh, you know, that doesn't that doesn't sound that important. I I might, I, I won't bother with that. I'll just. I'll take the microdose and it makes me feel in a better mood. And, and, you know, there is value in that. But I just think you're missing out on such an amazing experience, life-changing experience by, by doing this small thing that can have a huge impact. Yeah, yeah. Because, I you know, too. people when, are a bit... I feel like yeah, when you... Yeah. Oh, sorry. No, go on. Please. <laughs> okay. I feel no, like I was just saying, yeah, like consume it. <laughs> there's something definitely going wrong here. I'll wait. Okay, I'll, I'll just. I was just going to say, yeah, because a lot of people don't really. They just think it sounds a bit woo, you know, or a bit hippie, setting an intention, and and some people are really put off by that aspect of it. But you know, actually, what we're seeing is, you know, especially around intention setting, is there's real science behind this. And so it's not woo at all. It's just, you know, it's it that's largely like social conditioning and etc. But there is real science behind intention setting and integration. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and I also feel like that what you taught me in, in in that process of integration is is that when you just consume it, it works at that moment and it probably works the second day and maybe a few days after. But when you set an intention, it feels like it overflows in the rest of your life. Not only on that Monday you're consuming it or you're, you are setting an intention to feel more present during your workout, for example. You will definitely feel more present in other aspects of life as well. So that is what really helped me in that process yeah it's such an opportunity yeah it's a real opportunity for growth in so many areas and i just think yeah if you if you're if you're coming to microdosing because you want to make a change in your life 
then you really have you need to integrate the experience and embody it into your everyday life otherwise the the learning can be lost yeah i agree and is there something you'd like to give advice to the listener i would say if you if you're curious about microdosing or even if you have been microdosing but you feel that it's you know you haven't really you've kind of been doing it alone and you're not really sure of if you're doing if you if you're getting the best out of it i would really recommend going through at least one coach cycle i mean i know i would say that because i'm training to be a coach but i really you know it can be in a variety of ways i mean you know you can do group coaching you can do one-to-one coaching even you know there are groups on social media that can can really help guide you on your journey but i just i do think like joining a community whether that's on social media or in real life, can be really important. I think community is an important part of microdosing. And I think hearing other people's experiences and stories is really empowering and profound in itself. And it can really help you on your own journey. So yeah, sort of my advice would be to connect with other people, to to explore what avenues of support there are to help you on your on your experience and just give it a go, even if it's just once, because I think once you learn the process, you could, you know, you and you're supported through it, you'll never go back to microdosing the way you did before. So I would just say, you know, be curious, be open and take support wherever you can find it. I think that's a lovely advice, and I wholeheartedly agree. Being in connection with people ramps up your learning process, but also your growth in every aspect of life. That's what I believe. Absolutely. You talked about the workshop you were planning to give. Yes, yeah, so I'm I've just I'm just starting to offer some workshops, really affordable and they're just going to be at an hour long. So I'm doing one on how to find the right dose and protocol for your experience. And you can go on my Instagram or Facebook and book. It's just 10 pounds. I don't know what that equates to in euros for one hour. And it will just be a lot of information with a chance to ask questions at the end. So that's my first one. And I think that's in a week or two. And then I'm doing the journaling one on how to journal in your microdosing experience. That's going to be in September, same format, £10 per person. And in that one, it's going to be more interactive. I'm actually going to take you through some journaling prompts that can really help you find your intention. So that one's going to be a bit more interactive. Again, I can find it on my social media. I am then going to run a workshop on microdosing during pregnancy and the postpartum. I, I didn't mention this before, but I'm actually involved in a community science research project with Dr. James Fadiman and with an amazing trailblazer in the psychedelic space called Michaela Dillamico. And we've got together and we've created this survey, which you can fill out anonymously. And it's about, it's for women who have microdose during pregnancy, birth or the postpartum and about their experience of that. And what we're hoping to do is collect a thousand stories 
And then Dr. James Faderman will take the data and put it together so that we can give really good information to people about, you know, people want data. And, you know, medicine, mainstream medicine, you know, they won't ever conduct research on pregnant women, obviously, you know, for ethical reasons. But, you know, women really want to have this information and it's helped so many women. And we know in indigenous communities, pregnant women have been microdosing for thousands of years. So I feel really passionate about this. And I once we've we've got a few hundred responses so far. And so I think Dr. Faderman is going to publish some of the results so far fairly soon. And once he does, I'm going to run another workshop so that I can relay this information to anyone who's interested in microdosing during during their parenthood experience. So that's very exciting, but that's sort of to be announced because we've just got to wait for Dr. Faderman's a super busy guy. So we'll just wait and see when he gets around to it. But he is very passionate mm-hmm. about this also. Yeah. So Naomi, where, yeah, your Instagram. You. Yeah. So my Instagram is the psychedelic doula and, and on Facebook, I don't know really how it works on Facebook. I think you might have to just look up micro microdosing, dose and protocol or microdosing journaling and then it will bring up my workshops but if any instagram uh, put everything in the yeah. show notes okay, great thank you yeah definitely <laughs> naomi i i apologize for the connection <laughs> struggles at the end Not a problem. but it was a pleasure to talk to you again i hope we will keep in touch and definitely of course that people will connect with you on social media i will I can definitely recommend Naomi as a person you want to have beside you when you are walking any path in life. So feel free to reach out to her. Please do. And until next time, Naomi, thank you for your time. Thank you so much, Eric. It's been great. Thank you.